What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm your host, Molly Maul, Jamal Forrest. You can find me at Let Maul Tell It on Twitter. Do not forget the U. On the agenda today, we got somewhat of a, a roundtable, um, but really, just a, a, a Hogs Haven episode, man. A full Hogs Haven episode featuring a staff writer uh, and a good man that everybody knows. Um, he's made some appearances on the local um, uh, commanders in, in Washington podcast in the area. Uh, but also, he is a writer on Hogs Haven itself. And uh, I'm looking forward to working him in the podcast whenever his time sees fit. And we got some more people coming through along the way. But first up, uh, Kyle Smith. For GM is the the great name that everybody hears of. I'm going to let him introduce himself uh, before we continue on, just so people can get a, a idea of uh, who his voice is himself. And uh, there we go, man. But Kyle, welcome on. Uh, long time no speak. We we worked kind of together for a long time, but this is really our first time really having a a, a voice conversation and not on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it, Jamal. It's really uh, great to get to talk to you. I've enjoyed your uh, your pieces on Hogshaven. You've done some great film breakdown, really added a nice perspective to the site. Uh, of course, I've only been there, well, I guess it's been a few years now, but uh, yeah. it's, been, it's been really enjoyable. I, I enjoy the back and forth with other writers, with the, with the uh, folks who read it. Um, some really thoughtful stuff coming out of that site at this point. Absolutely, man. And you do an excellent job over there. Of course, um, nothing's changed on your side, man. You publish consistently and it's always good to have that read in the morning when you, when you take that fresh cup of coffee and you're like, all right, what, what we, what we got on today's agenda. <laughs> so, uh, definitely, definitely good to speak with you, uh, and, and have this conversation. So let's get into some of the items that we have on our show today. Um, Antonio Gibson is a main conversation. Uh, first off, Kyle did an excellent job uh, with his article that sparked up a ton of interest. It was actually in some Twitter spaces, uh, some conversations that I was in yesterday, and I think this morning, I believe, as well. Um, and I, I'll allow Kyle to kick this one, kick that conversation off, and, and give a breakdown of you know the genesis of his article, but then you know some things that happened in practice today. He is taking some special teams reps. Antonio Gibson is um, over the past couple of days. And we'll dive into that. He's also been with the third string offense as well. Um, and then also we have um, some commander outlook in terms of uh, positives and negatives, some things that's catching our eyes. Dakota, this is not this is not your moment. You need to relax and sit down. <laughs> um, and then we'll get some opinions on the, the coaches, the, the, the coordinators, and Rivera himself, see what Kyle is thinking on that side. And uh, as we move forward to Saturday, the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, we will get a quick preview from the good man, Kyle, on that perspective as well. So let's kick things off with the man, Antonio Gibson, the guy who is in trouble. And, and to be honest with you, um, I heard somebody else say it today, too. This is probably one of the more legitimate storylines that we have in training camp to this point. Um, so, Kyle, I'm going to hand the floor to you in terms of, you know, what made you think uh, of the article that you wrote, but also um, your perspective when you wrote it and, and why you think that uh, – the experiment, the current experiment of what Antonio Gibson is needs to end. Um, so yeah, you got the floor on that one. Yeah. So y you had written uh, an article earlier in the day and, and I had had some things rent, uh, 
you know, rumbling around in my head as well. And, and that's what prompted me to write the piece. You know, I think the team has been in a, an interesting spot with Gibson over the course of the past couple of years. I mean, he's been very good that by any measure, he's been really, really solid. And he wasn't, you know, as everybody knows, he wasn't a running back at Memphis, really. He was more of a wide receiver. So he's adapted to that role pretty well. And, and the commanders didn't really have the option of using him as anything less than a um, workhorse back uh, for the past couple of years. Cause they just didn't have that much other talent on the, in the running back uh, room. You know, they had Patterson and they had Williams and, and some other guys, uh, Barber, but, but really didn't have anybody who had the capability that he had. And so uh, I'd say, starting maybe like last year, um, my main concern with him was that he was just getting too many, too many touches. Like he, he wasn't yes. built to me. He's not built to get that many touches. He risks injury. Uh, you know, I, I think fatigue probably sets in and maybe he's more likely to fumble. That's not, that's not like a, a condemnation of him. I just don't think it's, it's using him wisely. And so once they drafted Brian Robinson, you know, it was like, and actually, you know, once Robinson showed he's, he appears to have the goods, it's like now you can really use Gibson uh, in the best way that he's available. And that's, you know, again, like your article said, it's it's like a, it's as a weapon, it's probably, hopefully in the uh, special teams game, it's using him in space either with pitches or short passes so that he can do his damage as opposed to him trying to grind it up the middle um, yeah. which yeah. just isn't good for his longevity. So that, that's really, you know, what crystallized my thinking along those lines. And for me, I think you spoke to an excellent point. Like last year, Antonio Gibson, you said he had too many carries. And to be honest with you, he had 190 more carries in the nearest back, and that was Jared Patterson, who had 68. Antonio had 258 carries last season and, um, you know, produced 1,000 yards and, you know, on the surface, we kind of understand how a thousand yards means a lot for for NFL backs, regardless of you know how you got to that a thousand. But in that same vein, um, when you look at a team in detail, and when you look at that specific team, or maybe the team that you're focused on, and you understand that you know how did that person that you're watching get those a thousand yards? Um, it's not to to kind of discredit Antonio Gibson, but you kind of understand the context behind every single stat that you know people on your team have because this is the people that you focus on. And and to your point not just the yardage wise it's more so the the amount of times that he's been exposed to carrying the ball they're using him in whichever way possible because again they don't have all these running backs that they that they or excuse me they don't have a variety or they don't have that peyton barber or that power back that can actually handle in between the tackles and um again you you spoke to like your your ideas and i want to make sure that we understand uh your full ideas is uh actually kind of coming to fruition in practice. Um, in practice this week, Antonio has been taking special teams reps in practice over the past couple of days from both uh, punt protection duties and return duties. Uh, but also, I believe at one point, I think I saw somebody say that he was taking reps at receiver as well, whether it's slot or receiver, I don't remember, but um, I think he was out wide as well. So um, the idea of using Antonio as a person that's less in the backfield, but more as a person who can move around uh, for this team is probably going to, I mean, how much, how much more effective do you think that he can be? Or is this something where it's like, now that we can't trust you in the backfield, 
you're just gonna have to do what we ask you to do because you're losing you're losing this special privilege which was being the the lead horse for the washington commanders yeah so i think some people are going to take it negatively like this is um this is uh, you know punishment for gibson that he's going to have to do these things i don't see it that way as, at all i mean i i see maybe the fumble becomes is sort of like a precipitating event for these changes but i honestly think having gibson in the return game i mean he was an incredible return guy in college I, in my yeah. article i posted the numbers you know his numbers were basically the exact same as Cordarrelle patterson's and in college in terms of return. I think it was like 28 yards per kick Yeah, 28 yards, 645 yards um, on 23 returns in his, his senior year. Right, right. So, you know, I mean, he was a very good return man, but you can't use your, your RB1 as your return man uh, if he's your only option because if he gets injured, then you're completely screwed. So now, you know, I think, again, having Robinson there as an option gives him um, – get allows us to use – Gibson a little bit more flexibly. I, I think, you know, fans, and you see it a lot of times in, you know, comment sections and Twitter and stuff, you know, they get hung up on the raw numbers. I said it for both Gibson and for, for Terry McLaurin. I said, look, they could, they could very easily both have worse quote-unquote numbers this year, but actually the offense could be a heck of a lot more effective. I don't care if Terry gets 1,000 yards or not. I care if the offense puts points on the board. And, you know, the reality is if you've got five or six different weapons and Wentz can spread it around, that's good for the team. I, you know, I just think that the individual benchmarks um, are kind of silly to focus on, but it's, it's something that's easy to get your head around and whatnot. But, but I think, you know, uh, Gibson probably has uh, smaller numbers this year than he did last year, but that doesn't at all mean he's not playing well or better. You know, I think that's what we got to focus on is, sort of how they're being used, how do they make the offense more effective? I, I, again, I don't really care about the individual accolades. Yeah, and um, that, those are all fair points. And I, I guess before we transition to another topic, um, what do you think is like the last straw for Ron Rivera and this team? Uh, meaning, um, like, is it going to take – another fumble for them to completely bench them and, and who knows like to whatever to whatever level you want to take this you know to, you you have that opportunity to take it wherever you want to go but what is that last straw for for them in terms of trying to figure this thing out with antonio gibson because uh for for a running back who you know didn't really show signs of a person who had ball security issues in his rookie season um you know 2021 took a lot of us by surprise and the fact that, you know, the rate in which he fumbled early on was, you know, something significant for him to essentially fumble three times in a week and meaning twice in practice or he's he's partially responsible, responsible for two fumbles in, in one practice. And then not even a week later where the, where the games actually start to count, he has a fumble in that game in the preseason game against the, uh, the, the Panthers. So um, what are we looking at in terms of from a coaching standpoint, uh, them saying, this is a guy where I just it's just hard for us to trust him. It doesn't matter what the talent says. Um, we can't put him on the field because he's going to cost us or he has a likelihood of costing us a possession. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. Both Rivera and Turner expressed frustration this week about him. So, you know, I think he is kind of on thin ice. But I also think the guy is just too talented to – 
to keep on the bench or, you know, to keep out of the game very long. I mean, I, I sort of jokingly said, you know, he should pull a Jahan Dotson where he's got, you know, the football embedded in his arms every time he gets out of bed <laughs> until he goes back to sleep. You know, I mean, that yeah. it's, it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of true. I mean, there's a reason I'm sure guys like Jahan Dotson do it. You know, you basically make it second nature. You're not, you know, that's, that's the most precious thing in your work life. So um, I just, I, I Hopefully he does whatever he needs to to make sure that he's um, not, you know, fumbling as much. But uh, but I think I'm not. Sh- I don't. I don't know. Short of like you know multiple fumbles in critical game situations, what he could do to get pulled. But I think they're they're definitely sending a message that like he better he better not do that again. And you know just watching some of the plays and watching. Uh, I was trying to watch some of uh, Corderell Patterson's plays when I wrote that article too. It's like um, you know. Keep both hand, when you're going through the line of sk- scrimmage. Keep both hands on the ball, and and other people have said it. You know, don't break your fall when you're falling on the ground. Just fall onto your arms. You know, I mean, you can't you can't take an arm off the ball when there's three or four guys trying to punch it out. Um, it uh, I, granted, I've I've never played football at any kind of um, highly competitive level, but but I think it's just you you've got to do what it takes to keep the ball um, in your arms. Uh, and if that means, you know, not being, getting an extra yard or something like that, so be it. Because there's there's nothing more deflating than, than a fumble, especially, you know, when you've got it on your early drive in your own, um, on your own half of the field. Yeah. By any means necessary, Kyle, by any right. means necessary. And he needs to understand that part too. Um, okay. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and catch up on everything else, Commanders. Uh, some positive things that caught your eye while watching the first Commanders game. And uh, I guess to preface this question, too, before you get into it, um, what are your thoughts on the it's just preseason crowd? Um, you know, I, I've come to – I used to be in that crowd, and personally uh, I've, I've come to learn that, you know, it's, it is about evaluations for me, um, but – you know, it's it's sometimes still from a, a an observ- observation standpoint, people still just want to, hey, let's go ahead and get to the regular season. Like this stuff doesn't really mean much to me, which is perfectly fine. But uh, where where are you at in terms of uh, the preseason itself? But also as you wa- as you watch the game against the Panthers and maybe even till uh, up into training camp to this point as well, what what were some positive things that caught your eye uh, with the the Commanders? Yeah, I mean, so again, I I don't get worked up too worked up over preseason. I mean, there were people who were talking about, you know, there were, the sky was falling because Jahan Dotson didn't get a reception or whatever, you know, it's like, give me a break. But, but I do think, uh, I think the preseason obviously is critical for the guys who are on the edge of the roster. And I think the preseason is also really important to be able to practice. I mean, preseason is practice. And so that was one of the things I really liked about the way they deployed Wentz uh, on Saturday. I mean, people were getting up in arms, you know, not up in arms, but people were saying, oh, well, it's kind of a lackluster performance. He didn't score a touchdown and didn't look great, didn't do any bombs. We know Carson Wentz can throw deep. We know that's his strength. You don't need to do that in practice. He needs to figure out how to dump stuff off to the running backs and tight ends. And he, I thought he did that pretty well. So I, I don't know. I'm not in Scott Turner's head. I don't know that that's, what he was trying to do, but it looked like it to me. And I thought that was the right thing to do. I've been saying it all throughout training camp, get him focused on the short and intermediate passes because that's where he, he struggles. Um, and don't let him, you know, 
don't let him keep the ball too long and play hero ball. I think I, I, I could be wrong on this, but I thought I heard something like his uh, release time was maybe like uh, 2.38 seconds or something like that during the preseason game, which was like, was, was faster than like his release had been last year, which is exactly again, what he needs to be working on. He needs to take the three or five yards uh, at a time, as opposed to counting on the big chunk plays. And so, um, I, I was, I was, you know, I wasn't excited about it, but I was happy with the way they conducted that first preseason game. And I, what I was excited about, and this is kind of maybe like my, I don't know, my, my uh, one little guilty pleasure is like, you know, I, I think this guy, Armani Rogers, I think he's going to make the team. Yeah. You know, I, I was impressed. Uh, Wentz hit him a number of times. I, I think he looks better than Hodges, even though a lot of people love Hodges you know, size and his athleticism, but I can't believe this guy was a quarterback his entire life. And he's only been a tight end for whatever, five months. And he, he, he looks this solid. I mean, I'm just, I'm excited and you know, whatever it's TE four, but, but still it's, that's what preseason's about to me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you, you brought out uh, Armani Rogers. Cause this is a guy where, um, and you touched on it, a guy who, who's really been a tight end for all the five months, um and for a guy who looked as fluid as he did and uh, like comfortable than he, as he did in his first preseason or his first ever game playing tight end um it was really encouraging to see and um now i mean three catches for what 12 yards isn't nothing to brag about but it's not even about the fact that you know you only had 12 yards is you know catching the ball taking some hits um being able to maneuver downfield in terms of your route running and things like that uh, I, I I love to see it, and I'm I'm very interested. At least from a passing standpoint, I haven't really seen anything from his blocking. I haven't watched that, but um, I'm very interested in seeing how he can uh, develop moving forward. Because if there's something there, then it doesn't matter what he look. As long as he makes that 53, he'll he'll ultimately become uh, a a good piece for this for this offense and somebody that Washington can use uh, in particular situations. So. Um, to your point, man, Armani has something to him. I'm in, I'm in full agreement with uh, the idea of him. Uh, and, and on top of that, Samus Reyes is hurt. So the competition between all of these guys, man, is becoming thinner and thinner. And uh, the opportunities are open up for Curtis Hodges, respectfully, as well as Armani Rogers. But I think if if Armani has anything to say for it, he's he's really make, he's making a really strong case. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've written about it before, but tight ends usually take a while to develop. You know, I mean, that especially getting that blocking skill down if they're if they're just receivers takes a while. So you you need to you really need to take the long view with developing tight ends. So yeah, I mean, it's like well, he's the fourth tight end on the roster, maybe or you know he or Hodges, and and that doesn't seem like a lot, but in three years that guy might be he might be your your t- tight end too, or you know. Or even who knows? Maybe your tight end one once Logan rolls off. I just think uh, that's the kind of stuff, the sort of long view roster development and stuff that 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 gets me uh, excited because you know you, you're not you're you're not just thinking about what's going to happen this season. You're just thinking about what's going to happen two seasons down the line and how do we have the best roster uh, at that point. And, and you really do need to be thinking that way i think in order to have a good team over you know multiple years now what were some concerning things that popped up in your head uh, whether it's from a player standpoint or maybe a unit standpoint um what caught your eyes with the commanders 
uh, over the past week. Yeah, I mean, the defense was really, I felt like a letdown. They were still letting so much go over the middle. Um, you know, never have David Mayo defend another receiver in his life, please. Um, <laughs> but I just, and you know, poor Danny Johnson got got thrown out there. And, um, you know, I, I think he tried his best, but he was clearly outmatched, too. I mean, it sounds like Ben St. Just uh, is going to be uh, effective in the slot based on everything we're hearing in training camp. But... But if Danny Johnson is like the backup, you know, I mean, that was that was not really comforting to, to see. So I'd say most of my concerns really uh, were on the defensive side of the ball and, and sort of that, you know, allowing fairly long third down conversions yet again for, you know, how Lord knows how many years now. Yeah, it's probably uh, the worst the worst year that I could ever remember. I was at the 2016 season where we couldn't we couldn't stop a nosebleed. Like it was, it didn't matter. It could be third and twenty, and they get 21 yards. <laughs> it was it was incredible how that 2016 treated uh, season treated us uh, from a, a, a fan base perspective. But um, speaking of this defense and just the overall um, frustrations of it from a converting standpoint and moving the stick standpoint, Jack Del Rio clearly was not you know happy. He he spoke on um, his frustrations. Uh, after I think it was actually today we're recording by the way on August uh, the 17th so on a Wednesday um, and he spoke to the fact that you know those third downs uh, flat out are frustrating and something that you know he wants to identify what the root cause is and, and correct them and you know he believed that he has but ultimately this is something that's gone on for a couple for for a couple of seasons with this guy um in this defense uh, as we transition to your current opinions on Rivera Turner and Del Rio. Let's start with Jack Del Rio in this defense. Um, where, where's your head at with this guy? Uh, and is this something where, I guess, is it is he approaching the hot seat? I guess that's the fairest question versus saying, is he on the hot seat? Because um, like there, there's a lot of layers and a lot of factors to even say that he is currently on it right now. But but where are your, where's your opinions at with Jack Del Rio? Yeah, I mean, I, I think after last season, he should have been on the hot seat. But, of course, you know, when he was asked that question at the end of last season, he, he basically laughed it off and said, you know, I'll, I'll be back. I'm, I'm safe, you know, uh, which I thought was kind of trademark Del Rio arrogance, uh, you know, that I've come to sort of expect. But, you know, no, again, you have the 27th ranked defense in the league with, with that much talent. Um, you shouldn't be safe. Um, so, you know, Sam Mills, uh, you know, gets, you know, uh, fired. Uh, I guess as, as sort of a, a possible um, source of some of those defensive issues, but I thought the de- I thought the defensive problems were bigger than just the defensive line last year. I mean, I made I no secret about the fact that that Landon Collins, you know, was used out of position for for almost half the season, um, and uh, I, I still think it frustrated the heck out of me that you know William Jackson was picked up as a high-priced free agent who's known as a press man cover and they try to jam him into zone coverage. It's like, you know, what's going on here? I, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not really convinced that uh, Del Rio's anything better than an average, you know, at best defensive coordinator. I, I'd love to see, I mean, I, I again, I sort of have talked about it before. I'd, I'd love to see, uh, like a young defensive guru, like uh, uh, Dave Aranda, who's the uh, head coach for Baylor. I don't know if you take a 
uh, NFL coordinator job. He's probably got a pretty sweet gig at Baylor, but somebody who's like, you know, a defensive innovator, you know, um, on this staff, that's probably not Rivera's style, but, but if I had my, uh, you know, if I was king for the day, that's, that's kind of what I'd be aiming for. So no, I'm not that impressed with, with Del Rio really. Now on that offensive side, we understand that the commander's offense has been plagued with uh, quarterback issues. Of, oh, do we got a little echo going on? Hold on. Let me make sure. Hold on one second. There we go. Okay. So I muted you for a second, but I'm going to unmute you after we get this question out of the way. Cause I think it's probably just a, a little issue with the, the speakers and everything. But um, we know that uh, Jack, excuse me. Um, Scott Turner, I lost my train of thought for a second. Scott Turner, uh, you know, he's he's been plagued with quarterback issues over the last couple of seasons. And, um, you know, he's we're going on quarterback number nine, if not quarterback number 10 with the commanders. And this offense has lacked at the skill position as well. Like, it's only really been Terry. Uh, Cam Sims has been a number two receiver in 2020 uh, and then relegated to receiver number four, number five for this offense last year and uh, this offensive line has steadily improved um over the years but uh you're not really getting a lot of explosiveness out of these guys for the obvious reasons that you know we've i've just described but in terms of scott turner and, and understanding that he has a great opportunity ahead of him to implement the offense that he wants to get done or get implemented and uh, he has a quarterback to get the thing accomplished in terms of what Carson Wentz prefers, but also, you know, he has the skill set from the, the receiver positions and tight end position to get things done. Um, where are we at with the current opinions of Scott Turner and how big and of how a year is this for Scott for Turner? Scott I, I think this is a huge year for Scott Turner. Like you say, I mean, Turner has had a, a uh, talent deficiency unlike Del Rio over the course of the past couple of years. I mean, the quarterback situation has been abysmal. And, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're really being objective about it, he, he got, he helped Taylor Heineke get seven wins, which, which isn't bad. You know, I mean, for, for a guy who had never played in the league was an undrafted free agent who has some, some pretty dramatic shortcomings. I mean, I love Heineke, but, but he has some shortcomings physically um, to get seven wins is not so bad, but I think this year, Really, the uh, the spotlight is on Turner and the offense. I mean, he's got he's got a great stable of weapons. I'm not sure, you know, if everybody's healthy, if Sam Samuel's healthy, I'm not sure there's a better set of weapons. Uh, you know, let's just call it like let's call it at least like a top maybe five or ten set of weapons. I, I, I don't know all the rest of the league so well to say it, it could be one of the best, but I definitely think it's a top ten set of offensive weapons. Um, if everybody's healthy and he's got Wentz who is, you know, well suited to his Eric Coriel offense. Um, and hopefully we'll really get to see some of that creativity that he's probably capable of. I mean, I think um, I hold out a lot more hope that we're going to see something transformational from Turner um, this year uh, than we will on defense. And, and, you know, I, I'm really, really excited to see what he can do with, um, the, the talent at his disposal this year. All right. And Ron Rivera, uh, before we transition to a, a quick Kansas City preview, uh, Ron Rivera is in his third year. He's identified this year as the year, um, year three being the more critical seasons for 
uh, a person in the position that he's in seven and nine back-to-back seasons uh essentially seven and ten and obviously seven and nine for him but seven wins in back-to-back seasons for for Rivera clearly isn't getting it done um you do get a division title in your first season but uh byproduct of a bad NFC East altogether uh where's your opinions on Ron Rivera um obviously we know that it's a critical season he's just he outlined it for us but in terms of your opinion with Ron Rivera and the job that he's done to this point uh how do you kind of uh uh visualize or conceptualize the, the 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 work that he's done to this point yeah i mean this is this is an interesting question i mean i have a lot of respect for ron obviously uh as a man he seems like a really upstanding guy i think he has done some things to improve the culture um when he was hired you know i said look you know ron rivera wouldn't have been my first choice from a sort of head coaching acumen standpoint, but the reality is given the, the situation with this franchise and the meddling owner, there had to be somebody in there who had uh, the, the gravitas to basically, um, you know, completely run the ship. And I think, you know, uh, Ron, Ron was that guy. So Ron is, he's got limitations. Um, I think, probably not the kind of guy who's gonna uh i mean who's he's probably the kind of guy who's gonna give scott turner a pretty long leash which i think is the smart thing to do um he may even give del rio a a long leash um which um uh, Ron, I'd say Ron's like a mid-tier head coach in my mind. I don't think he's – I certainly don't think he's a top-tier head coach. If you look at his his records, you know, he's got eight eight out of 11 seasons have been losing seasons. And, yes, he's gotten to the playoffs a couple times with seven wins, but, but that's not great, you know. Um, and so – but, I, I again, I think just by nature of this franchise and sort of the, the management above Ron, um, he's – the kind of guy that we need to have in that role until uh, Dan Snyder steps back sufficiently that we could bring, you know, bring in a McVay or bring in a Kyle Shanahan or whatever, and they're not going to get um, stomped all over uh, with their decision making. And also, you know, have a, a general manager who's who's going to have some independence as well. But um, I, I think Ron gets, you know, all five years of his contract if that's what he wants. Some people say he's on the hot seat. He might get fired i don't believe that's true um i think he can he's he's basically going to be able to stay here um at least for the full length of his contract if that's what he wants to do absolutely so let's go ahead and transition and close out with a quick kansas city preview uh one player or unit on offense that you'll be focusing on this upcoming saturday and the same question goes for the defense, one player or one unit that you'll be focusing on this upcoming Saturday against the Kansas City Chiefs. What are those uh, two tickets of or two ticket items for Cal uh, Smith for GM? Yeah, I think again, I, I think I'm going to be paying attention to the tight ends. Uh, there's not there's not that many healthy tight ends. I don't know. I saw that Hodges was like working on the sidelines. I think today, so it mm-hmm. may just be Rogers. He may get he may get the whole game to himself. Um, uh, but, but I'm going to be focused on that. Um, and you know, seeing how the performance is there. I mean, I, I'm interested in, in the wide receivers too, especially sort of the back end guys. 
my own feeling is probably Dax Milne is uh, ahead of uh, Cam Sims on the depth chart right now. Um, but but they're probably both, uh, you know, going to make the roster. Although there might be some chance for 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 uh, the sixth receiver or something like that to to sneak in. But like I say, I think that tight end group is um, what I'm interested in seeing, and that sort of also plays again to see if they stick with that short to intermediate game for Wentz. You know, I'll be, I, I hope they will. Um, uh, and we'll see though. And on, on the defense, um, I, I think I'm going to be looking at the linebacker play. Um, that's, that's really the area where um, I think I'm most nervous. I mean, I've heard some good things, uh, people saying good things about how Jamin Davis is playing, which is very encouraging. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll be also looking at sort of the second string linebackers, see if one of these young guys, uh, maybe like a Milo Effler or a Trey Walker or somebody can make a bit of a splash um, and, 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 you know, do some actual covering over the middle um, like we didn't see last game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that, ladies and gentlemen, is Kyle Smith for GM. Uh, you can find Kyle Smith for GM. A, gr- a great a great name by the way <laughs> um but smith for gm you can find him at smith the number four gm um on twitter uh i'll hand the floor over to you to to let the people know if, if anything that you else anything else that you got going on that you want the people to know uh the floor is yours um and also and as always you know i'm, I'm looking forward to the next conversation because we're going to try to you know implement these as much as we can on this side of the Hogshaven podcast and Hogshaven uh, content creation. So, uh, Kyle, what you got going on? Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate it, Jamal. And I, I think it's a great idea to have these uh, interactive dialogues. I hope I hope lots of folks are listening. I hope some of the folks who are listening will join us to continue the conversation over at Hogshaven. Um, and, you know, the, I, I know, Jamal, you do a ton of, like, again, film study and and – looking at uh, player performance. Um, I, I oftentimes find my best article ideas come from conversations that start in the com- in the comment sections of some of those other articles, get me sort of spun off on a, uh, a tangent and something that to think about or dig into. So uh, always appreciate the reader feedback. Um, and, uh, you know, for the folks who think, uh, some folks on Twitter just think I, I'm beating up the t- team all the time. And I, I want to go on the record saying I was, I was uh, demonstrated as the third most optimistic Hogs Haven uh, <laughs> writer, you know, recently uh, in one of Matt's articles. So, you know, uh, they, they need to realize I just I'm trying to be balanced, uh, but but certainly if I see something I don't like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be critical of it. So, uh, anyways, enjoy uh, the conversation. Enjoy uh, reading all your stuff and uh, great great uh, service by putting this podcast together absolutely and we will definitely be talking down the line um and making sure that like i said this thing continues on so with that being said ladies and gentlemen that is wrapping up for this episode of the hogshaven podcast i expect another one out before the chiefs game this upcoming saturday um so yeah thursday maybe friday morning at the latest Uh, so yeah with that being said y'all enjoy y'all day enjoy y'all night whenever y'all watching we're out of here